Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. It's February 14th. I love you. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Never before on one stage in one theater on one evening have this many world-renowned artists appeared. 200 stars of film, television, stage, music, variety, ballet, opera, and sports (laughs) celebrate with us tonight as we... Count the stars! <laughs> so said the very subtle voiceover as he introduced the Rockettes, who kicked off literally the Night of 100 Stars at Radio City Music Hall, New York, on this day in 1982. Yeah, and what we're recalling, of course, is the recording of a show that then went out on TV that, uh, when edited down, became three hours. But the show itself was, with all its sort of breaks and set changes and all of that, came to five and a half hours for people who had paid up to $1,000 to be there. And apparently a large amount of the audience had no idea that what they were seeing was actually a TV taping rather than a live performance for their benefit. So it actually went on until half past midnight, which I know that theatre goers <laughs> are used to being out late at night. You know, I think 11 o'clock exit's pretty common on Broadway, but like that extra hour and a half, which I can only imagine was just sitting there in silence while stagehands moved <laughs> things around, must have been actually a pretty unexciting experience. <laughs> But you wouldn't be disappointed, really, because you didn't just get 100 stars. You got actually, when all said and done, 206 stars, (laughs) if you count, for example, the individual members of the New York Yankees. But I don't want to undermine the counting process. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And these were real stars. Mm. Like, I don't think there's any quibble. It's not like today when it's like, oh, call them a celebrity. I mean, you're talking about Princess Grace, Elizabeth Taylor, James L. Jones, Lillian Gish, James Stewart, Gregory Peck. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the less interminable version is actually up on YouTube. The terminable version. Yeah, the terminable (laughs) version (laughs) is on YouTube. So we'll put a link in the show notes so you can watch along for yourself. And I started watching it thinking, I'll just sort of uh, drift through this and see what's what. But the minute you hit play, you are dazzled by the star power. They weren't lying. It's incredible. So you've got the Rockettes who kick off. Before the Rockettes, Aaron, you're forgetting the intro red carpet montage to Everything's Coming Up Roses from Gypsy. (laughs) And I think that sets the tone. You don't start with everything's coming up roses. That's the showstopper. But this show starts with that. This is a show where Ethel Merman comes on doing there's no business like show business. And we've still got an hour before the end. (laughs) It's not subtle. They count the stars as you go. So, in fact, as the Rockets come on, they count as one. So even though the New York Yankees count individually, for some reason, the Rockets are one sort of massive blob of rock. They didn't want to be accused of inflating the star tally with Rockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it took me a while to get used to this thing that each star has a number counting their presence in the lineup because it's on the screen in the kind of dull 1980s font of grandstand football results. <laughs> so it's, it's like Tony Bennett 4, Harry Belafonte 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weird thing is, is that I skipped straight away at the beginning. I saw, you know, there was like a sort of a rundown of where you had to go to in the video for each segment. And there was one that was like a countdown of classic Hollywood. And I was like, great, I love classic Hollywood. I'll start there. But because I'd mm-hmm. gone there sort of midway through the first hour, I got <laughs> it came up and it was like Betty Davis, seventy one, and I'm thinking she looks really good on it. Like that doesn't seem right. Amazing, <laughs> Danny DeVito, ninety six. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't think Mary Tyler Moore was one hundred twenty one when this was filmed. <laughs> and Orson Welles looked very old for three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there are only really two views on this, and I think your view would be similar to how you feel about puddings on menus called things like death by chocolate Mm. like it is definitely entirely too much but sometimes too much is what you want to eat Uh, and if you're that kind of person then you'd probably agree with variety that ran the headline at the time a true smasheroo but if you're the kind of person who finds the oscars about 10 times too long then you're probably going to agree with what time called it a bad dream and there certainly are parts that feel like you're hallucinating <laughs> it's it's somehow both too fast and too slow i don't know if you noticed this yeah. but there are segments where for instance they do a bit where this was when they had the golden age of hollywood they would show clips mm. from an actor's career as if it was a kind of in memoriam montage of this actor but then mm. the actor themselves would appear and then just Wheel walk away yeah and just literally appear yeah. underneath the screen that had just showed their clips being like look it's Ginger Rogers. And then, you know, away she'd yeah. trot. But at the same time, each segment is in itself so long just because of the sheer mass oh. of stars that are being, you know, counted down. The bit that actually perfectly exemplifies that, I think, is the most tedious segment in TV history. Women of TV fashion show? No, I'd <laughs> okay. say that was watchable. No, the bit- it's the bit where, you'll agree with yeah. me when I describe it, you'll be like, oh yes. It's the bit where front of stage, a woman slowly lights a hundred candles on a cake. <laughs> where... <laughs> Upstage, various deep-voiced Hollywood legends are wheeled on to run through headlines from history that have nothing to do with the Actors Fund, which they're celebrating the centenary of. So they say things like, Woodrow Wilson was re-elected president, and the Actors Fund was 30 years old. And you're like, oh my god, there's 70 years left of this trivia. Like, what? How can I watch any more of this? And yet, in that very slow, ponderous, like, ass-killing event, they then flash up. These images from history, like Hitler became chancellor, and it flashes up on the screen like, bang, you blinked and you missed it. It's up for like half a second. <laughs> and like, did I, what just happened? Yeah, well, it is worth digging into what this was in celebration and in aid of. And the Actors Fund of America is this organization with a pretty fascinating backstory. So during the late 1800s, the United States was still recovering from the Civil War. And although theater business was still booming, the theatrical profession then suffered this pretty bad setback when President Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth, brackets, an actor. And from then, prejudices against the profession that had existed like before then anyway, were really heightened. And from that point onwards, because of their low standing, lots of actors and performers generally were denied charity from lots of different institutions. And it wasn't unusual for them to be refused even a decent burial. So the organisation was set up in 1882 and then started to do these sorts of works. 
One of the first of which was to purchase bits in cemeteries for actors to be given a proper burial. And from there, they then branched out into different types of support, including homes for performers at the end of their lives who didn't have enough money to uh, afford old people's homes, and then support for actors and theatrical professionals generally. So, so it's kind of interesting how it started, but it's definitely useful for them that they had this kind of star power to be able to draw upon throughout their history. If there's one thing that the Actors Fund turned out to be good at, it's staging what sound like incredibly expensive spectacles in the name of raising <laughs> money to support themselves. Yes. Like this yeah, one, right. they, I saw something, I think it was in the Christian Science Monitor, it was an article from the time, and the producer of the show was saying that they'd spent $5 million staging the Night yes. of 100 Stars, but they did still expect to make $2 million of profit. And I was kind of like, yeah. well, good that it's making a profit, but that seems like an incredibly large outlay to make yeah. less than <laughs> half of that. In. I mean, there is a bit of a public misunderstanding about about the, the sort of showbiz benefit and how it works, right? So it's the same as kind of Children in Need or Comic Relief, isn't it? Where the stars that are on stage mostly are giving their time for free. But to put it on, and behind the scenes on an event of this scale, you had 668 paid workers, including 110 in the crew, 100 wardrobe and hairdressing, 112 for security. You've got to pay for the equipment, which is $900,000, yeah. half a million dollars for scenery and costumes, $300,000 to rent the music hall. They weren't doing it for free. So there are costs which are fixed. It's just that when it tips beyond a certain point... Yeah, I mean, the figure that I saw that the Actors Fund actually got at the end of all of this was $750,000 which is half a million quid, which, you know, is not to be sniffed at, but at the same time, you kind of think, with that star power... It's just a much less labour-intensive way of raising that much yes. money. Like, surely if they'd written to all of the stars who had appeared and asked them to bung in $1,000 each, they could have, like, made quite a lot of money doing that. <laughs> but yeah. it would have been less fun, and surely that's part of the point as well, that, like, even for the organisers, they just wanted to have Paul Newman and Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Gene Kelly and everyone in the same place at the same time, and they're not going to turn up to an event that's just wine and crackers. <laughs> for me, there's a sort of air of Olympics opening ceremony to it, yes. you know, You've got these sort of big names, but they're sort of lost in this massive event. Stadium-sized, even though it's obviously in a, a theatre, it feels like it. There's just this sort of, like, shell-shockedness to a lot of the stars who are wandering on going, I'm not even I'm certain what I'm doing here, let alone, you know, try to imagine yourself into the audience that was there that night, not having even expected that they were going to get a TV recording. They thought that they were getting a, a properly resolved stage show. Yeah, I detected... Some modesty in Henry Winkler, actually, for that reason. Yes. He was projecting just an element of embarrassment. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's a big star on his own show, but, not, you know, here he is next to Jimmy Stewart and feels a bit out of place. I detected a lot of cocaine in Al Pacino. <laughs> uh. Everything's coming up roses! <laughs> That's what he was saying inside. <laughs> Tomorrow. 5% of viewers of celebrity TV chefs were actually inspired to do any cooking themselves. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.